0: What did I just say? Gigawatts! What the hell is a
1: gigawatt? Doesn't sound like the usual mindless boring getting to know you chit-chat.
2: Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by e-Renewable. I'm your host, Fred Davis, episode number 96 happening on this Friday, which means it's also a Follower Friday type of day, which means we have Mr. Luke Metzger, Executive Director of Environment Texas, one of the leading nonprofits in the state of Texas that advocates for all things clean energy and a cleaner, greener environment. And we're going to talk to him in just a little bit. But before we do that, let's hear from our COO and co-founder, Ms. Ann Niemer, telling you what it is we do here at E Renewable.
0: Hi, Ann Niemer here, co-founder and COO of eRenewable. At eRenewable, we know everyone has sustainability needs and wants. We want to help you reach your ESG goal. Our goal is to bring technology to the sustainability space, by hosting real-time online auctions for both buyers and sellers. Our electronic management tool helps streamline the RFP process. Whether you need to procure energy or find an off-taker for a renewable project, our platform will provide pricing efficiencies to your organization. Our other projects include solar or battery storage development, renewable natural gas or responsibly sourced gas, LED lighting, and HVAC efficiency upgrades, or unbundled RECs or RSG certificates, all helping our customers reach their sustainability goals and meeting their ESG needs. Please visit our website at eRenew.net or call us at one 866 erenew one As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable.
2: Thank you so much for that, Miss Ann Neemer. Don't forget, you can find out more about the company over at our website, eRenewable.com. We're going to have a grand redo of the website and launching of it next week, so stay tuned for that. And of course, give us a follow on our LinkedIn page as well, renewable and the Green Insider. And if you do that, well, you'll be like Mr. Luke Metzger and all the others that have followed us on the LinkedIn page and become a part of the Follower Friday Legion. It has got the internet going nuts, boys and girls. Jump on the train. Do it. Do it now. You will be glad that you did. All right, let's get right down to it. Mr. Luke Metzger, Executive Director of Environment Texas, talking all things the future of community aggregation in the state of texas also to how previous policy in the state helped set up what is now one of the leading renewable pushes in all the entire country and of course where does hydrogen fit we heard a lot about it over at Sierra week this week where is hydrogen in the state of texas and so much more please welcome mr luke metzger <laughs>
1: Policy-wise, Texas is benefiting from a lot of smart choices we made. You know, a few decades ago, Uh, Texas in 1999, when we restructured our electricity market, uh, adopted one of the nation's first renewable energy mandates. And um, that law was so successful that just six years later, you know, Governor then Governor Rick Perry uh, signed in a law doubling the mandate and authorizing the investment of billions of dollars in new transmission lines to the windiest and sunniest parts of the state. And, you know, those uh, investments combined with federal investments uh, under President Obama, you know, the economic stimulus bill, which supported the largest ever investment in clean energy in U.S. history at that point, helped bring down the price of renewables. You know, the cost of solar, for example, dropped 80% in the last 10 years. Um, That thanks to those combination of policy at the state and federal level and market improvements, uh, renewables are booming here in the state. Uh, So we're number one in wind power in Texas if we're our own uh, country, we'd be ranked I think fifth in the world for the amount of wind power that we produce. And uh, while historically we had been slow to adopt solar, we are uh, catching up fast. Um, In just um, last year, we doubled the amount of solar that we had going from about four gigawatts to eight gigawatts. And if you look at uh, what energy developers, their plans are for the coming years, um, you can see that many, many more uh, gigawatts of both wind, solar, battery storage are under development today and so that's great news you know Texas is has been and will continue to be you know a national leader in clean energy. Texas cities especially Dallas, Houston, San Antonio and Austin have now all adopted climate action plans that set goals to decarbonize you know um, generally by by 2050 and uh, to achieve those goals aspire to Significantly boost investment in renewable energy and energy efficiency, and so, for example, the city of Dallas has a goal that by the year 2050, at least half of their residents are signed up for electricity plans that support 100% renewable energy. Um, the city of Houston, you know, has set a goal to, you know, develop. Some you know thirty five hundred megawatts of local solar you know uh, within you know in the local area around Houston, which is would be quite significant. Uh, Houston only currently has about forty megawatts uh, of solar, so um, so the cities have real bold plans, and you know cities like Austin and San Antonio, which own their own electric utilities, are in uh, a great position to achieve those goals um, because you know they can just. Uh, decide to buy more wind and solar Uh, cities in texas's deregulated electric market like houston and dallas have fewer tools available to them as they don't own their own electric utility They, they don't have as much control over you know grid investment decisions but they could you know we wrote released a report last year called cleaner cheaper power looking at the success of community choice aggregation or cca's in a number of states around the country and you know those those are programs where cities can aggregate the buying power of all their residents to purchase uh, renewable energy and uh, thereby being able to promote their climate goals and in many cases um, save their residents money on their electricity bills on average CCAs are able to deliver electric uh, prices 10 to 20% cheaper than the average uh, rate of electricity uh, while uh, generating tons of new wind and solar. So it's a really exciting program. Texas doesn't have a law explicitly authorizing a CCA. However, existing rules by our public utility commission would allow something similar. And so we've been um, encouraging Texas cities and counties to explore creating this bulk purchasing program where they would basically um, you know, recruit residents uh, to join this aggregation where, and you know, say city of Houston would get five, 10,000 residents to all agree we're going to collectively buy electricity together. And of course, when you, you know, have those power and numbers you're able to secure, um, you know, good deals. The retail electric providers, you know, would love to have five or 10,000 customers all at one fell swoop and will work with the city to uh, meet those, both those clean energy goals. And also, you know, hopefully be able to provide cheaper electricity for residents at the same time. You know, the city of Dallas, for example, you know, claims it's, you know, 100% uh, powered by renewable energy, uh, and, and it, it does that through the purchase of renewable energy credits or RECs. Uh, Houston's the same way. They they purchase RECs, uh, but they also have what's, you know, called a power purchase agreement or PPA for a, a direct solar farm that they helped uh, build out in West Texas. So a mixture of direct investments in wind and solar farms, as well as, you know, the purchasing these credits. Um, and, you know, the challenge with the credits then is, that um, historically in texas at least over the last decade the price has been so low it does little to incentivize the development of new wind and solar and so when cities you know uh, claim that they're 100 renewable through the purchase of wrecks um, you know they're helping some but they're not you know um you know likely not helping build new wind and solar which you know many people think would be the main goal for some of these cities so so I think yeah that's already happening and um, and then certainly from a climate perspective if you look at what climate scientists tell us you know we we can get a lot of the way towards zero carbon through you know 100 renewable energy and electric vehicles and you know other kinds of investments Uh, Likely there's going to have to be some purchase of offsets, you know, so kind of purchasing, you know, uh, credits or helping, you know, pay to keep the Amazon rainforest from being burned down, you know, those kinds of kind of programs or, you know, even better, you know, more local projects um, that are easier to measure and verify that, you know, they they are in fact meeting these climate goals. So um, likely that's going to be part of it as well. Austin's already doing some of that purchasing kind of carbon offsets um, so that, that'll likely play a role. And I think that the best thing cities can do and, and they really should prioritize is those direct emissions reductions themselves, you know, with both it's with the city, all the city buildings, the fire stations and, and, and police stations and libraries, making sure that those are powered by clean energy and are as efficient as possible, that the vehicle fleets are all electric and then helping their residents, you know, achieve those same goals. But I think, you know, some of these, Financial instruments, renewable energy credits, carbon offsets—those those can play an important role as well. I think we're still, like much of the country, really at the starting stages of exploring hydrogen and, and biofuels more broadly. I think there's a lot of excitement, certainly for some of the you know big oil and gas companies who see it as a you know potential new market for them. Um, I, there's, of course, a lot of uh, environmental concerns around using. Methane gas to produce hydrogen is, are you actually getting the climate benefit that we want from it, um, as opposed to, you know, green hydrogen or other things that have kind of clear environmental benefits. Um, so I think it's, uh, and you know, it's still kind of a nascent industry, the new infrastructure law just passed by Congress. Includes uh, significant funding to develop pilot projects, and and so that that'll be interesting to see. That you know, um, can we further develop that technology? Because you know, we know that at least for most of our transportation sector, cars and trucks, uh, or light duty trucks, at least, um, it's pretty easy to electrify those. Uh, But there's some parts of of our transportation sector, you know, for example, aviation or long distance, you know, heavy duty trucks, that uh, electricity can't necessarily do the job yet. And so hydrogen, hydrogen may be key for those industries. We work on lots of different issues, Um, you know, on the clean energy side, I think the One of the big focuses is getting Congress to pass long term extensions of clean energy tax credits for wind, solar, electric vehicles. Um, You know, those, uh, the House of Representatives passed a bill that would invest some $300 billion in uh, the clean energy industry. While that Build Back Better Act was declared dead by Senator Manchin, he has uh, since said that the clean he's okay with the clean energy tax provisions and would support um, some new bill that would include you know, uh, efforts to tackle inflation, uh, investments in clean energy, uh, efforts to reduce prescription drug prices. So it seems like there's a you know potential deal that could still be reached on that. And that is hugely significant for clean energy. The, there's been some estimates that suggest that those investments would lead to the development of additional 22 gigawatts of clean energy in Texas. That basically means we could close every coal-fired power plant in the state if that uh, set of clean energy tax incentives passes so hugely consequential and really critical that that congress act but beyond the clean energy space we've got a lot of exciting projects you know uh, next year will the state of texas will celebrate the centennial of our state park system uh, so 100 years from since the very first state park opened up and um, we've, we're using that as an opportunity to um, talk to the public and to legislators about planning for the next hundred years. You know we know that as Texas is growing so rapidly that we are quickly losing a lot of the. Uh, rural areas and natural areas that make, you know, Texas so special. And at the same time, you know, our existing parks are, you know, getting overcrowded. It can be really difficult to book a campsite without planning months ahead of time. So we really need to expand our state park system and, and, and create new state parks, expand existing ones, and that's going to require a big investment from the state legislature. So we're, we're working to, um, to get the legislature next session to, um, you know, create a, a bond that they would put before voters to help purchase, you know, park land. So that's one exciting project. We're also working um, to uh, promote more clean water, you know, through uh, techniques like nature-based infrastructure. You know, we know Texas has significant problems both with water pollution, um, you know, where about a third of our creeks and streams are... Too polluted to safely swim or fish in. Um, you know that a lot of that pollution comes from everything from urban runoff. You know, so that when it rains, the you know we develop so much of our cities, the concrete, uh, the rain has nowhere to go except to rush along the concrete, pick up the the dog poop and the pesticides and other things that then rush into our creeks. And so, you know, we know that uh, one way to help stop that pollution is by mimicking nature. Na- Mother nature is pretty good at, you know, absorbing rainfall, you know, into the ground. And so, you know, even as we build up our cities, we can, um, you know, incorporate more nature into the cities by using things like permeable pavement where, you know, the, the basically the, the rain can soak through the, the, the pavement or green roofs or rain gardens and other things that help, uh, stop the water pollution before it goes into our waterways and makes them, you know, polluted. Uh, so those are just a few of the other projects that we're working on right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been doing this work for 23 years now, and uh, often it's a slog, and, you know, it can be frustrating, And um, but, you know, th- this is exciting times right now, you know, when you see just the cost of renewables have just come down so dramatically the cost of electric vehicles have come down so dramatically that it's now, you know in uh, many cases, you know new wind and solar projects are the cheapest form of, of new generation. So it makes sense to invest in it just on the economics, not even factoring in the environment um and uh, that's what it's going to take you know if we're going to move towards 100 percent clean energy um you know uh, you know we've got to have um, both the policies in place but we also have to have the economics in place and thankfully they're 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 basically already there we need you know we need still some support but we also just know that you know the the public is excited about it there was a, a poll you know taken by the university of houston just recently about electric vehicles and it found that about a third of texans are you know um, looking real seriously at purchasing an electric vehicle um, as their next car and given that you know electric vehicle purchases only make up about 1% of all the new car sales if we're talking about you know 10 20 30% of Texans planning to buy an electric vehicle for that's their next deal. car that's a huge deal that's a lot of new electric cars and in fact the manufacturers are responding to that demand and you know uh, every major manufacturer now is uh, putting out new models, cooler and, and better, and, and longer range, uh, longer battery life. You know all you know um, all these different options that just I think make it even more possible for the state to go green.
2: Thank you so much for that, Mr. Luke Metzger. Don't forget, you can catch all of the Green Insider episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and over on the website, eRenewable.com. And don't forget about the U of H project we got going on, the Green Insider Gone Red. That's just around the corner. Shout out to my girl, Afria Bashir, doing an absolute phenomenal job spearheading all of that. Uh, We got Michael Ducker coming up. We got the folks from Data Gumbo. All kinds of good stuff happening over here at the Green Insider Podcast. And of course, shout out to Mr. Bill Brown and the Eight Rivers team for help making us possible over here here week, just an absolutely phenomenal group of human beings over there they are doing absolutely incredible work over at eight rivers and they are only just getting started so got to give a shout out as always to the entire e-renewable team and mike al roger everybody that makes the green insider possible the guest the audience without you we couldn't do what we do this has been the green insider podcast powered by e-renewable we make going green easier